Your host has been more than accommodating, providing you with separate rooms, luscious linens, food, a warm bath, and rest. Your party was in desperate need of some time off their feet. There seemed to be no end to the luxury given to you for bringing the owlbear to the noble. Acquiring the youngling was a struggle, but it all seemed worth it now. As had become custom in the past few weeks, your party dons the loose gray clothing of the noble's house and gathers in one of the many dining halls for breakfast. Once again, you are blown away by the feast in front of you. Grander than any you have seen so far, fruits, roasted vegetables, eggs, savory breads, greens, fresh from the garden and elaborate displays with flowers filling any open space. Pitchers of juices and wines of every color perspire and glint in the early morning light. The smell is alluring and you all take places around the table. There is a brief moment where you all make eye contact. A moment of unison to say without words, We've earned this. And then all hell breaks loose. At first, there is just a sound, something like a high-pitched tinny whine, but before you can register its origin, the table in front of you erupts. The food disintegrates into a powder, the beverage decanters all shatter and roil into the air, meshing and filling the void above your heads. Your party cannot react, only be covered in a tidal wave of warm gruel-like pâté from top to bottom, soaked all the way through. The muck drips from the ceiling in patters, and your party wipes at their eyes and faces. In the aftermath of the event, there is time to take in that noise, finally, beyond the room, coming from the doorway. There stands the noble, still regal, smiling, drinking in the scene with eager eyes. At his feet is the source of the noise, a tiny dragon, its mouth curled in ecstasy as whining and chortling laughs fly from its maw. This was the sound you were hearing, the dragon attempting to contain its laughter. The dragon pauses long enough to grab a bit of muck from its iridescent butterfly wings before popping the goop into its mouth. It wiggles its scaled snout in distaste and spits on the ground before looking up at your group again. The noble finally speaks. I felt you grew too complacent in my kindness, so I called upon my friend for assistance. Now that I have your attention, please follow me for a new errand. The noble turns and walks away. The dragon puts a claw over its muzzle to keep from laughing as it lazily flaps its wings after him. You are all alone in the dining hall, the wine floating out of earshot. Wait, there's no rule for initiative this time? Hello, and welcome to another episode of Monsters and... Uh, This week we're going to be Monsters and Mischief. This is on the nose, but it was also the easiest M-word ever. Yep, way easier than all the other ones. We really kind of, we were pushing it with owlbears, I have to say. Pretty sure we were pushing it from episode one with Monsters and Macula. Yeah, I mean... what even is a Macula? we're, We're deviating from the point. 
This is Monsters And. We are a Monsterpedia podcast bringing you too much information about monsters that we like set in the D&D world. Uh, some obscure, some weird, some we just really want to tell you about. Like this time, we, we are doing what? We're doing uh, fairy dragons this episode? Yes, you got a little bit of that in the flavor text. We kind of wanted to encapsulate them a little bit, and you're going to find out a whole lot about fairy dragons this this episode. Uh, but before that, as always, I am John Natsky. And I'm Christine Stouffer. And we are going to jump into the episode now. Okay, so what are fairy dragons? Well, the things you need to know first about fairy dragons, because this is the formula that we figured out for our podcast, is where are their origins from. Now, they first appeared in Dragon Magazine number 62 alongside two other new dragons, the Steel Dragon and the Grey Dragon. Right, this was for the sixth anniversary of Dungeons and Dragons. So they were introducing some new concepts with everything there. And what was the what was the Grey Dragon? It like lived in a mountain and had man slaves and Yeah, it lived in a weird like mountain cave and the only people that liked it, well, I guess not even liked it, the only people around it were the slaves that it kept, and it was sort of this crazy, like, shadow dragon that kind of could turn into shadows almost, and... This is another episode. And the steel dragon was very similar. Well, no, the steel dragon, I don't really know why it was called the steel dragon, because it could turn into clouds, <laughs> and kind of had a lot it, of cloud-based well, color, color, like vapor. Like, I know, but steel? I don't know, maybe they're they're being... Uh, I don't know, artsy or whatever. It was early D&D days. Gygax was a smart guy. <laughs> All right. But anyway, that's when they were they were introduced. So look it up. Find the original back then. There's no like real world background, of course, because it's a dragon. Uh, but it's described multiple times as, as puck-like, sprite things. They are called fairy dragons for a reason. I, uh, we're going to go into this in a little more, more detail, but they, they are derivatives of fey creatures in a sense. Uh, in the real world, there are some things that you'll see leashed into the world. Specifically, I know these things because I am a terrible nerd that plays video games. Uh, fairy dragons appear a lot in World of Warcraft. I play a lot of Hearthstone. Fairy dragon was a pretty good two-drop for a while. Uh, that's a nerd reference. Uh, as well, it, it appears in uh, Dota 2, uh, there is a character called Puck that is a fairy dragon. Uh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, there is a, that's, it, that's why I asked you that one time, do, do fairy dragons teleport? It's a thing. It's a thing from Dota. Don't, oh, I see. Don't yeah. dwell on it. It's a terrible thing. But they, some, don't, they don't do that in D&D. I know, but I just had a nerd moment, and we're not going to dwell on this anymore. So, Christine, take me away from my nerddom. Okay, so fairy dragons are these tiny little dragons. They're cat-sized with big butterfly wings. Crazy adorable, right, guys? Um, so their colors range from red to purple, depending on their age. Um, when they're up to five years old, they're red. Then from six to ten, they turn orange. Then yellow from 11 to 20. Green from 21 to 30. Blue from 31 to 40, indigo from 41 to 50, and finally violet from 51 on. So they kind of just go through the rainbow as they age. The females have a golden tinge to them, while the males have a silver tinge. And they bear these big, sharp-toothed grins that just kind of look like Cheshire Cat-like almost to me. Maybe not 
to you, John. I know. We had a discussion about this earlier, about how cat-like these dragons were. And we almost had a fight about it. (laughs) We didn't have a fight about it. But but, I mean, I I was being a butt. Different views on dragons. I mean, you specifically brought up, this is the closest example of a how to train your dragon dragon. So, I mean. Uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. So, John, tell me about where these dragons live. Now, they make their lairs in the hollows of high trees. Uh, preferably near a pond or a stream because they like to swim and dive. They're playful creatures. They they live in forests. They tend to live in more um, uh, temperate climates, things like that. There's not going to be like a desert fairy dragon necessarily, but mountainous regions as well. Hey, there uh, might be. You never know. I mean, you want that? Maybe that's it's one. It's D and D. There can be anything. I right? mean, we just that was another thing that we brought up. This is D and D is just a bunch of nerds. What was the thing that we said? <laughs> just a bunch of nerds making stuff up. Yeah, we got mad. Like we sometimes we look at this over and we're like, you know what? Fairy dragons were just a bunch of n- nerds making stuff up, and then we're like, oh, that's what all D and D is. So that's that's what we have to live with in our lives now. Uh, they often live near uh, pixies or sprites because, again, they are in relation to fake creatures. They like other tricksters. They tend to get along with them uh, very well. They communicate telepathically with each other, have their own language, and also speak sprite, pixie, elfish, and uh, to animals. Didn't they also... I saw somewhere they also speak uh, slivesh or something like that, like the... the Sylvan, that's fairy. Sil- Sylvan, so, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so other words for it. Uh, they eat fruit roots, tubers, nuts, honey, and grains, basically vegetables, uh, you know, uh, they're very keto, Uh, possibly love fresh, uh, uh, sorry, really love fresh apple pie. Yeah, that was something that was specific in like a couple of the books, and I was like, oh, all right. I mean, it's just like fun flavor. who doesn't love apple pie? It's it's true, but this, it was. people that hate apples. (laughs) We just got real sour right there. (laughs) Sour apples? (laughs) <laughs> sorry Christine, move on <laughs> so these fairy dragons are like we said before tricksters they like to use magic to wreak mischief on passersby and they have spells that they use druidic spells that they will choose based on like what they can use for pranks and mischief and that type of thing um they get forest animals oftentimes to help them with these pranks and so, like, what they'll do is they'll stay invisible uh, while they're watching its victims succumb to its pranks. But oftentimes they will, like, kind of giggle to themselves. Like, they can't help themselves. They think it's hilarious. Um, As was seen in lore from a bit <laughs> earlier with that. Yes. Um, so they express their delight by twitching their tail. It's a weird little thing. Um but they have a fondness for treasure and good company. So sometimes travelers will be able to exchange treasure, like sweets, baked goods, baubles, and stuff like that, for information with a fairy dragon. This is kind of like a throwback to an old adage with you know certain uh, monsters from the early Dungeons and Dragons manuals, where you could bribe your way through them if you weren't like brute force or smart enough. Like you could still commune in another way with things. We brought that up way back when with um, uh, mimics. In a way, you could like bribe it with food to get to get things that you needed from it. Uh, uh, right, and um, there's also like so for these dragons, I believe like the baked goods and sweets and stuff are actually like what their hoard is instead of gold. That's they adorable. They hoard like tiny treats and stuff. That's like the most. That's like like a cat that has like a like a like a little hoard of bottle caps and hair ties like under <laughs> Again, a couch. Again, this cat like thing, John. I know. <laughs> Fairy dragons are cat-like. Okay. 
they they are and we're going to actually going to see like uh a little bit of information for this then so we're going to talk uh, like a shift from uh, their ecology onto uh, the abilities that the the fairy dragons have they can uh become invisible at will and can attack and use uh breath weapons while invisible so they are one of the more stealthy like animals that you're probably we're probably going to bring up in dungeons and dragons like as like a yeah usually like if you attack or use like some sort of magic or something like that while invisible it breaks the invisibility but with them it doesn't do that yeah uh which is crazy and would really turn an encounter on its head if you're going to think about it they will never attack directly unless cornered or defending its lair they're always going to try to slip away or trick their way out of it or something like that they're not going to yeah, go. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say that's just because they're kind of like these little weaklings, to yeah, be honest. Kind of like little weasel guys. Yeah, they have like really weak bites, but what they do have is this really cute, cool Euphoria gas breath weapon, which is like, it's honestly kind of my favorite thing about them, and kind of one of the coolest breath weapons in my opinion in the game. Um, so, on a failed saving throw for this breath weapon, which is like a cloud of vapor. Um, it either causes the target to take no action to just kind of sit there and blissfully like zone out because it's a bliss weapon mm-hmm. um, or it causes you to randomly wander about <laughs> making like just kind of looking at things and being like, oh, that's awesome. That's pretty like, you know, it's literally like it's I, drugs. It's drugs. <laughs> it's literally drugs. Did they say for how many rounds that hits for? Um, yeah. It's a, well, it's until you make a. Uh, Saving throw? Wisdom saving throw? Oh, and then you, like, kick back out for whatever you pass? So I guess it's just one round that the breath weapon goes out, and then after that, like... Yeah, yell at us if that's wrong. But another thing that I just want to hark back to, because we were, like, kind of, like, into it when we were reading about the the gray dragon. Like, his breath weapon was, like, literally, like, so powerful that it was, like, whatever he used it on... Oh, yeah, it was, like, a ridiculously powerful charm spell that, like, if it used it on you and you failed the save, you would literally never attack it unless you got a, what was it, cure curse or something? Remove curse. Remove curse. Spell cast on you. Like, it's... That's crazy. I've never heard of, like, a charm person spell that does that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Okay. Did... Wait, did we miss anything? Um, no, well, just, they, they also have, uh, so fairy dragons also have innate spell casting abilities, like we mentioned before, but depending on his age, it'll be more or less powerful. Um, and then, like John said, they're pretty dang stealthy. Yeah, they tend to level in basically the same way that sorcerers will level. Uh, they, they'll follow that kind of skill tree throughout their, their lives. And, uh, they, they end up using a lot of illusion and, uh, basically magic that that's always used to fuck with people yeah they really they don't want to fight with anyone they kind of just want to mess with think of them by. like an arcane rogue with fuck with people like the same oh, like, like an arcane trickster rogue. Yeah, yeah like a trickster rogue like that's kind of the vein that i always see yeah but a trickster rogue is kind of doing it in order to hurt you <laughs> i mean yeah but i mean like the the fairy dragons don't want to hurt you unless you hurt them and then they'll fight back but okay Fair for the enough. most part they're just like i want to screw with you because i think it's funny uh, well let's save these ideas Because we're going to switch gears, and we're going to talk about fun ideas that you can use fairy dragons in. Okay, so the first one that I will bring up is the one that was kind of brought up in the lore. Also, are you guys enjoying the lore? Is it good? I like it. Christine, do you like it? 
I mean, I like making it. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I like making it with you. Okay. And by that, I mean you doing most of the work and I help edit it. I mean, I do write the things. Uh, so that's why I'm nervous that's all the time. That's your job, okay? All right. But anyway, so in the lore, the what has uh, basically become a symbiotic relationship. And I could go into this a little bit more if I ever wanted to do a side story about the character that Luke has dubbed Albert Pervert Noble. Um and I really like that title uh, because I'm a weirdo. Uh, but specifically, what? What are you going to say? Nope. Just if anyone hasn't realized you're a weirdo yet. Hey, shut if me. anyone hasn't realized either of us are weirdos. <laughs> well, I, uh, granted. But specifically in this setting, it is a dragon that is using the noble to feed its own needs. It gets uh, treated well. It gets what it wants for its own horde. And in the, in the sense, the, the noble gets treated to a bit of power over its its the people it lords over. And it just kind of likes dicking around uh, on them. So I find it funny. I think it's interesting to have like a, a powerful relationship in that way. And I think it kind of shows the breadth of a character to be befriend something that isn't of the of mankind's world. I think it actually might be another cool idea, like maybe not just like a noble, if you have like some, you know, like kid that just kind of like maybe he's a orphan or something like that that lives on the edge of town and he teams up with this fairy dragon and kind of plays pranks on everyone because he's, you know, he's a little kid. Oh, my maybe goodness. not even an orphan, but just like someone who lives on the edge of town. You that's know? like a little that's like an Aladdin story that it's you've like just a cute tried. little trickster story. That's a that's a wonderful little that's a short story that I want to write. Get on it. Okay. What's another one, Christine? Um, I don't remember the other ones we talked about. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the other idea I had was to have, you know, you're wandering through a forest. You're kind of lost, maybe something like that. You've been walking for days and you start seeing this mirage in the distance. Maybe it's like... I don't know, like a pool of water or something like that, or people coming up on you. But it's always further and further in the distance. Again, mirage-like. Um, and it's actually just a fairy dragon, you know, messing with you, making you think there's something great up ahead, so you get excited. The way that I always, like, pictured it in my head when Christine brought it up was, like, you're walking through, like, a heavily forested area, almost, like, maybe, like, dense birch forest. And, like, you pass... You have to, like... There's no clear path, so you're just walking through trees. And, like, you can, you can only kind of see a house, and every time you, like, pass through a tree line the house is kind of always forever in the same distance and you're like serpentining towards it but you never reach it and i think that was a really cool like visual um for that and uh specifically oh gosh what was my last one uh, say it's not easy to remember after no it's not uh we brought this up and i completely it's gone from my brain D uh okay yes i remember now uh specifically i wanted to have a red herring idea uh, for like a spookier concept because October is nearly upon us. Uh, you can always kind of have a fun little side story where you come upon a town and there is some kind of location or house or manor that is filled with some kind of history and is it just has to be haunted. There are all these tales of things and things going missing within the town that's all originated here. And I always kind of thought that it, wouldn't it be fun if inside of the, the, the whatever this place is, is not a poltergeist, but just a fairy dragon that likes to mess with people and just watches the town. And maybe that's another fun little kind of endearing moment in the story. Sounds like a good idea to me. 
All right. That was kind of a nothing answer, Christine. Yeah. What do you want me to say? I don't know. Support me as a friend. Sounds like a good idea to me. Thank you. Okay. That's what I said before, John. You said it with some more enthusiasm. All right. Now that we've ruined everything, we're going to take another quick break and then we're going to do the trap. And it's going to be a big trap. This is a big trap. So please enjoy it, everybody. Oh, this is actually the final part of the trap. The final part of the trap for this arc that we're doing of the weird puzzle trap arc. And there will be a new one soon. It's going to be great. Your party feels a wave of air sweep up and over their forms as the doors crash shut. There is a rumbling around the room as the stone settles. Slightly warm, damp air moves in gusts around the small room. It is empty, save for the set of stairs that lead up to a platform with a pedestal. Everything is covered in yet more mosaic. The tiles are all reds, embers, obsidians, and purples, like a fresh wound. As you approach, you can make out more details of the scene. Reliefs that match the forms of people crawling up the stairs and platform, arms outstretched towards the pedestal. So close. Hovering over the pedestal is a floating steel sphere, enclosed on all sides. Your party feels an unnatural heat roll over their feet and legs as they get close enough to touch it. An aperture slides open to allow an eager hand inside. Your prize waits for you. Within is the heart of the goddess, a gem the size of a human's heart. It is jagged and glows a deep red and black. You have finally made it to the end of your quest. So John, what's this trap all about? Well, we decided that this was the like the single most easy trap to figure out. Uh, well, not figure out, but like maybe we're foreshadowing this a little bit here. But we thought it was like kind of the most brutal as well. Uh, what you kind of saw is that this is the end prize goal. What are you going to do to get it? Um, a lot of people have tried to claim it before. And what we envisioned is that you would walk up to the aperture and put your hand inside. And, of and course- the second you put your hand inside, it closes around it. Yeah. And then the ball stops hovering. It's a big old steel ball that yeah. your hand is stuck inside it that's heavy, that falls to the ground, and you're just stuck. That would immediately cause damage, maybe pop a shoulder <laughs> out of socket, depending on the size of the, the player who grabs it. And like just would be pretty brutal. Um, I pictured even more like the the environment starts to change. Like you're not just like it's not just like a one note thing, and you got to crack open a steel ball. Like the heat in the room begins to rise incredibly, almost like this heat prison that we are inside of now in <laughs> in Chicago. Yeah, my tiny apartment is like a hot box and just like does not ever get cool. Yeah, and or have it begin to fill with water, or maybe gross, like maybe warm blood or something like that. Um, we wanted there, this would be like the, 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 the most emphasis moment where you have to just take the gem and get out as quickly as possible for this. So, um, we had thought that maybe if you're quick, you can try to snatch it in and out, but that would require incredible dexterity. I think Uh, you're just going to have to figure out how to open this sphere while something terrible is happening to you outside of it. Yeah. Like, uh, you had mentioned, like, the heat rising and stuff like that, but I think maybe even you could have, a good idea would be to have, like, the pictures of the people, the mosaics, come mm-hmm. to life mm-hmm. and start attacking you, like, zombies or, like, shades or something like, like that. Like golems or something like yeah. that. Um, we had also thought that this would be one of the skill tests where you could, like, have, like, a panic moment 
And like, if you wanted to like try to do a skill test to break your own wrist and like try to slip it out, <laughs> like would be one of those kind of situations. And that would just reset the trap. That wouldn't mean you you succeed and could leave, but that would mean like everything settles. Do you want that gem or not? Again, like I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, that's our cool trap. Tell us if you dig it or you don't dig it. If you have any ideas for where we should go next with this, let us know. We're yep. going to try and go somewhere a little bit more upbeat, if possible, which probably isn't possible with Dungeons and Dragons and Traps and Puzzles. Um, but if you have any ideas, let us know. Mm-hmm. I hope you liked it. I liked, We liked writing it a lot. We liked the weird goddess story quite a bit. So Definitely got pretty into the weird, like... I don't know, dark imagery. Yeah, it was it was nice. Maybe we'll turn it into something. Who knows? Write us if you like it. You can definitely find us on the web at Facebook. Um, you can email us at monstersandpod at gmail.com or you can Twitter at us. At monstersandpod. At, mm-hmm. um, so let us know what you think. Get in contact with us, whatever you want to do. We want to thank uh, my friend Zach who produces this for us he's soma recording studios.com uh we also have his stuff up on our facebook page and also my friend brie ross who made the logo for us for monsters and and her information also can be found on our facebook page oh please subscribe and rate us on itunes or whatever podcast app you use it really helps us out to like get us out there to more listeners yeah we would appreciate that we would like to i mean there's a bevy of dungeons and dragons nerd things and if you like it just shoot it to a friend and be like hey you you really like learning too much about monsters i know you do here you go other weird friend if you review us and you tweet at us we'll totally like give you a shout on on the podcast too that is such a good idea okay uh anyway thanks for listening everyone yeah yeah <laughs>